1: Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. I'm always intrigued by people who write or report on things or dig up information, do research, present ideas that people get really angry or miffed about. Our next guest is one of those who has done that in spades. His name is Christopher Rufo. You may have heard of him. He's the author of a new book and he is next.
0: Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast.
1: So this is the new book, America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. This is really fascinating. It digs back into the 60s and how some of this radical leftism developed and took root in the United States of America and now how it's rearing its ugly head. And hopefully people are really starting to pay attention. The author of this book is Christopher F. Rufo. Chris Rufo is going to be our guest. I can't wait to talk to him because uh, I met him on Gutfeld. Uh, He and I were on Gutfeld together a couple weeks ago, and he's a really smart guy. And he's got a great story to tell about how this all started for him. He is one of the first to reveal critical race theory, DEI, uh, queer, critical queer theory, all of these things. So he is uh, really on the vanguard of this kind of research and uncovering many, many things you'll want to hear from him. But first of all, you'll want to hear this, that dark spot. On your face, is it still bugging you? And the liver spots on your hands and those on your neck and your chest. Now you can watch them disappear safely and quickly in three quick minutes. Introducing the GenuCell Dark Spot Corrector three-step, three-minute dark spot luxury system. And it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Crystals World Famous Microdermabrasion before the Dark Spot Corrector and finishing with a touch of the collagen-building Genucel XV, you see the dark spots disappear right in front of your eyes instantly, smoothly, and luxuriously. And what you're watching on the screen are the real results in just a couple minutes. I mean, it's really something. But, hey, listen, don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with the results, you get 100% of your money back. No questions asked. Free shipping. Free returns. Go to Genyacell.com slash Michelle now. Order the new dark spot treatment system today and say goodbye to the pesky spots tomorrow. That's GenuCell.com slash Michelle. But there's more. All three products are included in GenuCell's most popular package for August. So you get your GenuCell Bags and Puffiness Serum. I almost said puppiness because I have a puppy by my feet. Uh, also included all for 70% off real ta- retail. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of GenuCell Order down, watch those dark spots disappear in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. Genucel.com slash Michelle. It's G E N U C E dot com slash Michelle. And it's Michelle with one L. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Chris Rufo is next. Christopher Rufo, welcome. I uh, am well into the book, America's Cultural Revolution. I haven't finished it, but I'm well into it. And it is, it's a little bit fascinating. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit depressing. It's a little bit hopeful. Uh, Which of those four (laughs) descriptors would you describe yourself as at this point, having written the book, done the research and looked at where we are in America?
2: Well, I think that it's a journey uh, through all of those emotions. And so the the structure of the book is matches a bit of my own experience. Um, You're first uh, horrified. Then you become fascinated as you learn more about what's happening. And then at the end, you become hopeful because when you understand America's cultural revolution, you understand what's happening to all of our institutions. Then you have at least a sense of what might need to be done in order to fix this problem. And so at the end of it, uh, you know, be patient, be diligent. and uh, You'll come out with some hope on the other side.
1: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And f- folks, it is a tremendous read, and it's really well researched. And there's just a lot of stuff in here. I guarantee you didn't know, uh, and it's it's worth the delving into as as Chris has done. Chris, um, where were you born?
2: I was born in Sacramento, California,
1: and then wound your way up to the 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 Great Pacific Northwest, which is sort of where you ran headfirst into. Uh, what what we would call the radical left. What, I would love it if you would walk our viewers, listeners through that experience.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, I grew up in, in Sacramento, California. I went to college in uh, Washington, D.C. I traveled around the world producing documentaries for about 10 years. And then uh, after a stint in the Bay Area and L.A., I ended up in the Pacific Northwest, which was a great place to get a political education because the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, where I was living, and Portland, Oregon, of course, um, is really the kind of furthest reach of the vanguard of the radical left. And so I always tell some of my colleagues on the East Coast, you know, I, I kind of have a window into what's happening 10 years ahead of you because uh, we see all these the kind of spawning or the genesis of all of these awful ideas. I learned it uh, in the city of Seattle, that kind of the belly of the beast. Uh, and that gave me the education that prepared me to write this book.
1: Well, that the instance in which you learned this, you were doing research into the homeless situation there. Is that correct? That's right. And and what was the reaction? Why did you get so much pushback? It seems to me if you're doing a documentary on the homeless in a city like Seattle, that would be embraced. Help us. Let us learn. Let us figure out what the problem is and how we might be able to solve it. What What did you run into?
2: Well, I, I ran into the brick wall of, of, of the left-wing ideology, and so I pr- approached it at first in a somewhat naive manner. I said, well, you know, I, I could see all around me in my neighborhood it was being taken over by tents, by open drug use, by prostitution, by random acts of street violence. And I said, well, what is driving this? Uh, what is the cause of this? Why have our policies failed, even though at the time the city and county were spending something like $60,000 a year per homeless individual per year? Um, and the problem was getting worse. And I said, how is this possible? And so I put together a research paper. I worked on a, 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 some kind of multimedia projects trying to explain to people that the root of street homelessness was, was, was a combination of uh, drug addiction, mental illness, uh, uh, people that have been catastrophically separated from any kind of uh, organic social bonds, family, community, etc. cetera. Um, there was a large number of people that were migrating to the city of Seattle from outside. Um, and our policies, which prioritized um, uh, decriminalizing drug consumption, property crime, et cetera, actually weren't solving the problem, but were in fact making the problem worse. That was the, the kind of my argument in a nutshell. But and as I discovered, it went against all of the most powerful beliefs of the people in power, and it actually exposed the people in power for doing such a an atrocious job. The stories that I was ri- that I was writing were were getting. Uh, traction they were getting a, a lot of attention among people who wanted a solution and so the 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 instruments of the left the 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 media the philanthropies the academic institutions and even the street thugs um you know really tried their hardest to to silence what i was doing to try to uh, you know undermine what i was doing and really intimidate me into backing down
1: and and i bring this up because really the homeless crisis the homelessness crisis is is all over America and it, it, I, I, it seems to be related to all those things that you talked about all those years ago. And again, we see policies that seem to be driving this. And, and I want to just give people a taste of what you experienced. Um, you had...
2: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free.
0: 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
2: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now.
0: 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Your wife was working locally. You had stuff like death threats, right? I mean, what what kind of, not only were they trying to push back on your projects, but they were really trying to push back on you personally, weren't they?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's one thing, look, intellectual debates, if you want to have a discussion, if you want to, you know, write a piece, uh, you know, attempting to rebut mine, that's a fair game. I'm always excited. Actually, I'm quite grateful to have that kind of exchange, but, but that didn't work uh, for them so over time, you could see them escalating, 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 yeah, there was a campaign to get my wife fired uh from her job. she was working at Microsoft at the time, um which was uh just kind of absurd. It's like what what does this have to do with anything? uh people were f- kind of following us, taking pictures of my kids, putting up threatening posters, you know doxing uh you know uh, all, all sorts of kind of insanity and uh and, and it was really this concerted effort, uh, by people that were willing to ratchet up step after step because what they really don't want is anyone questioning orthodoxy. And so I had this, you know, kind of, kind of very brutal, but very quick uh, political education. And while it was very difficult at the time, you know, it, it felt like, you know, you're in danger, your, your family's in danger. It felt quite, uh, uh, quite frightening. Um, in, in hindsight, I'm very grateful for it because um, it taught me, you know, everything there is to know about politics in a very compressed time period. Um, and then it really toughens me up. You know, it's like a kind of hazing ritual into politics. And I even, I, I even kind of concluded now having been in the national spotlight for critical race theory, for gender, for DEI, working with Governor DeSantis, very high profile work I've done in recent years. None of it was as difficult as that original work in Seattle. Uh, And in fact, the national politics is actually in some ways much uh, easier, much simpler, much more, much gentler uh, than local politics, which I found to be a very brutal, very tough, very bare, bare knuckled.
1: Well, how would you describe yourself, your political leanings before all of that happened versus where you are now?
2: (laughs) It's a great question. My political leanings change. I I think I was uh, maybe a more, um, uh, more open, more kind of. Um, center, center, kind of maybe center right, a little, some libertarian leanings, um, uh, kind of live and let live philosophy at the time. Really was genuinely just uh, interested in exposing the problem. And I thought very naively, if I'm to expose the problem, to explain what's not working, propose better ideas, that that's how the system works, and that's how things will 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 get better discovered through this process. That's not how it works. There's no interest in actually solving many of these problems. And, and in fact, the political power that is so entrenched in cities like Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, has to be confronted with more strength rather than rather than just simply persuasion or suggestion. Um, And I think that it also taught me that um, many of these ideas are not, um, and then look, if you think about, you know, BLM, you think about gender, They're not simply misguided or troubled people who've reached the wrong conclusions. Uh, But in fact, these are institutions that are heavily invested in pushing these ideologies, and they have to be responded to more forcefully. And so I think I I traveled from maybe a more naive, centrist centrist kind of position to now a a more kind of strong, a more grounded, a more assertive, conservative position. And conservative is a funny word to use because in some ways – what, I, what I'm proposing, what I'm doing in my work now is, is uh, uh, activist in nature, it's seeking dramatic changes, it's more uh, radical even, uh, you could describe it that way. Um, but still, I think conservative is a, the use, most useful term, even if it's not 100% accurate from every point of view. It's useful because it immediately places me within a coalition. And I found that, look, if you want changes, if you want policy to change, if you want to be successful in turning your ideas uh, into law, You have to eventually choose one or the other. You have to choose one of the two avenues uh, in American political life. And for me, that's with conservatives. And ever since I've been really uh, lining myself up with conservatives, I've found that they're great people, they're open-minded, they want to have discussion, they're substantive, they're rigorous in their thinking, uh, and they're willing to get their hands uh, dirty and really to get into the political process and get things done.
1: Your book is so timely, um, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. Again, it's America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. It seems that the radical left, we can't avoid these words anymore. It's rooted in Marxism. It's rooted in socialism, even communism. Uh, I had on uh, one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, which is being called, as you're well aware, an extremist group by some. And she told me that at one of their gatherings, one of their events, they had the young communist protest. And she said there were quite a few of them, young <laughs> communists. And I'm asking myself, how in America did any group decide that communism would be a good way to go when we've seen through history time and time again, how dangerous it is, how lethal it is? How did we, you know, we can go through this, you know, it's in the education system, kids are getting indoctrinated, all this stuff. But how, where is is? Where is the pushback? This is so anti-American.
2: I think part of it, it can be explained by the fact that many of these uh, so-called young communists uh, were were likely born after the fall of the Soviet Union. And so they have no uh, historical memory personally, but they also likely have no uh, historical knowledge through study. <laughs> they didn't understand what happened in the Soviet Union, in communist China, in other Uh, communist countries in the third world, whether in Latin America or Africa, et cetera. And so you have people that are ignorant of the history and you have people that are seduced by the ideology of revolution. And so one of the main themes that I explore in my book is precisely this question. Why are these people over and over and over attracted to these revolutionary ideas that always end in heartbreak? They end in chaos. They end in destruction. And this is something that conservatives really need to take seriously. They really need to understand in order to dissuade people from this. But the the, the unfortunate fact is that what these uh, kind of promoters of revolution do is take people with, in many cases, deep personal problems, and then they say, hey, this is the, the cause of that problem. This is the enemy. This is the target. This is the scapegoat. And this is the solution. Your problems are not actually personal. Your problems are political. And if you overturn society, then society will be changed and oriented uh, uh, in a way that will make you finally happy. That will make you feel good. That will make you liberated. That will get you out of the drudgery or the pain or the anxiety of your existence. And you know, this is this is a kind of ancient uh, uh, temptation. And I think, unfortunately, the, the conservatives. Um, while I think they had a very successful anti-communist uh, message in during the Cold War, really failed to to sustain that message after the Cold War. When many conservatives simply concluded communism is dead, should it will never rise again. Hmm. Um, but as as the Moms for Liberty are seeing, no, no, it rises again, and it's even uglier and more hideous uh, uh, as the years go by.
1: It, it really is astonishing to me how we have not been able to. Uh, I, I there's there's All of that combined with this self-loathing of America, right? This, like you said, someone gets a problem, we'll help you solve it. We've got to overturn the system. That's the only way to help you solve this problem. Or we've got to declare systemic racism and that uh, math is racist. So we have to lower the bar for math for everyone so that everyone can feel good about themselves. Meanwhile, those who are great achievers are held back. Um, Okay, so what does give you hope? When you come out the other side of this, of this book. And again, I highly recommend it. America's Cultural Revolution, How the Radical Left Conquered Everything. It's available everywhere and it's available everywhere. And It's gotten great reviews. Um, where do you, what is hopeful about the, you know, the picture that we're living in right now? Cause I'll tell you, I, I just talked to so many people who feel like we're living in upside down world and it's frightening.
2: Yeah, it, it is frightening. And, and here's the thing that's actually good about that, though, is that as people start to understand that we are living in the upside down world, that there are major problems, that the institutions that they formerly trusted can no longer, uh, uh, deserve their trust, people are starting to seek solutions. And I'm opt- ultimately optimistic about the, the, the vast majority of the American, uh, people, the actual citizens of this country. And it's the, the optimism comes from, uh, the, the fact that people are starting to retake institutions, rebuild institutions, create new alternative institutions. And the bright spot for me right now is in education. You know, you have record numbers of families opting for homeschooling. Um, you have incredible growth in, in, in uh, charter schools, private schools, religious schools, uh, classical education uh, schools that are, that are growing at a very rapid rate. And look, people that are, are you know, uh, my age, I have you know, three young kids at home. Two, two kids at school, um, two, two of whom are in school. You know, we, we are demanding alternatives. We are willing to put in the work to create alternatives. And you have politicians that are starting to listen and creating universal school choice programs and now seven states giving parents the opportunity to opt out and take those public dollars to schools of their choice. And so what I hope to see in the years uh, uh, ahead is that conservatives who have a sense of their own values are going to be burrowing into local communities, whether it's churches, schools, businesses, other civic institutions. They're going to be taking ownership of these. They're going to be participating. They're going to be part of that political process. And then you can raise your kids. You can have all of your community, friends and family, uh, in an environment of of, of shared uh, vision, of shared mission. Um, and that's really what it's going to take to, to get uh, success, uh, not only for conservatives, but for, for the rest of the country writ large.
1: Before I let you go, I do want to touch on the presidential campaign. We're, we're heading into 2024. We've got the first uh, Republican debate coming up next week. And it's an interesting trend that we're seeing. That seems to me the more Donald Trump gets indicted, the higher his ratings go, the more support he has. But at the same time, there are still people out there who feel like they want a viable alternative. They, they, they like Trump's policies. They liked what he did, what he was capable of achieving in the White House, but this is all this baggage they don't want. Um, You know, after Ron DeSantis' landslide re-election as the governor of Florida, he looked like the one. Um, His ratings have declined. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is a tremendously independent Republican, and he's kind of on the uprise, as is uh, 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 Tim Scott. And and even... um, The former governor of New Jersey. uh, Why am I, Chris? uh, Why am I space? Yeah, Chris Christie. His New Hampshire numbers are on the uptick, which is interesting to me. So when you look at this field, um, and you you know that America is yearning for a, a a leader and someone they can trust and have faith in to do the right things to to have the the vision that is. More American than what Joe Biden has provided. What do you see the public's reaction? What is it telling you about Trump uh, and about all the other candidates?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm on the record. I, I've worked closely uh, with Governor DeSantis as his te- and his team over the last few years, and uh, have nothing but uh, enormous admiration and respect for him as a as a person, but really as a leader. He's someone that gets things done. He has self-discipline. He has all the qualities that you want in an executive at the state level or at the national level. Uh, I've endorsed uh, his campaign uh, for the presidency. And, and and I would hope that when, when the months start to unfold and the debates start to happen and people really start to tune in, that they are looking at candidates who are most likely to advance the policies that would make their lives better. That's yeah. the frame that I hope that that uh that i hope um, uh, people are using to judge their candidates that said uh i would say that the polling data to me uh, indicates that um many uh, republican primary voters are, are 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 engaged in a in a test or a selection of personality and there is no bigger personality than donald trump perhaps uh, in our in, in our generation but maybe ever i mean he's like a For better or for worse, he's an enormous personality. He has incredible loyalty. Republican primary voters love him. As he gets indicted, they feel even more protective uh, of him. Um, And so, look, you know, I'm happy to support the Republican nominee, but I would just hope that uh, voters uh, make a a choice based on this simple thing. Who is more likely to get the things done that are going to make life better in this country? And in my book, and my reading, having worked both with the Trump administration and with the DeSantis uh, governor's administration, um, I, I think that DeSantis is uh, he's young, he's energetic, he's disciplined, he's got a great team, he's an excellent uh, uh, political leader. He pushes real substantive issues. And um, and, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, he may not win a, uh, you know, a stand up comedy special, uh, you know, but 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 for me, if you want entertainment, you can turn on the television. Yeah, uh, if you want great statesmanship, you, you should be looking at uh, at the governor.
1: And and I'll I'll conclude with this because I do still think that abortion is on the ballot, and, and I think we're seeing that in some state races, some state uh, um, just policy issues that we're seeing sort of rumble around the country, and it is still a very much a hot button issue. And DeSantis has, as much as I, and I, I really feel the same way about him that you do. I have not endorsed anyone, but I, I, I do believe he's a great executive. But uh, people that I know, women that I, suburban moms that I know, are not happy with the six-week law that was passed, the six-week bill that was passed down in Florida. How, how do you see him overcoming kind of that social stuff that I, listen, and I think it's the left and the far left, the crazy left, that is attacking this stuff in a way that is tremendously uninformed or just unfair or quite It just, they're just attacking stuff with the, you know, don't say gay, all those things that are not real. They're attacking him with, I think they see him as a threat, but what about those social issues and how they might participate, how they might play a role in this whole thing?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would, in some sense, reach uh, an opposite conclusion. Um, then, then, then you're suggesting because look, DeSantis made his name on COVID first and then social issues second. And the voters in Florida that know him best rewarded him with a massive 20 point victory. He won women. He won suburban voters. He won Latinos. He won Miami Dade County, urban, the most urban county in the state. And so I don't think that these issues are necessarily, um, uh, kryptonite or necessarily, um, you know, would would deter voters. It's really in how you make the case, how you make the argument, uh, how you see them as a package of policies that advance a certain vision. Um, and 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 look, you know, abortion is a tough question, but um, I, I think that uh, in, in a Republican primary, um, th- this is going to be also a litmus test for voters. They want to see people who are fighting uh, for life, and uh, and I think that the, the the way to handle this is to simply put up. Um, the the two visions to say, hey, in New York and California, they want you to be able to do a 40 week abortion, a a, a full child, a full human being. I mean, undoubtedly, um, you can you can have the child exit uh, 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 the womb and then murder it. I mean, it's like so extreme. It's unbelievable versus someone who says, hey, six week or or 12 week or or, or 15 week, I think, uh, in some states, uh, by contrast seems eminently reasonable um it seems to be the moral uh, high ground and so I, I don't think that they should really back down they should say i believe in life i i i oppose abortion i think that it's uh you know that 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 it should ne- it should never be done except for these extreme uh cases that they have exceptions for um and and i think they should they should be unapologetic they should not back down um and i think that uh, in the end of the day uh, it will be one of, among many of issues and and could be an advantage Well,
1: I, I, you know, I think we're going to agree to disagree on that one. I think it's, uh, I think it's too frightening for women. And, and and even though it is reasonable, and I do think a 12 or 15 week ban is reasonable and where I live here in Minnesota, there's also abortion up to the point of birth, which I think is disgusting and ridiculous and there's no need for that. Um, But I, I, I do think that the left is very good at using this as a scare tactic for women and for liberals in general, and 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 I think it might drift into the independent lane, which is where, you know, these elections are won and lost. So it's yeah. going to be. I mean,
2: it, and, and, and one way of doing it, it could be for National Republicans to propose a 15-week national uh, ban, mm-hmm. and then they would be setting the frame. They would have something that's reasonable, that's supported by by a majority, that is, I, I think, a, a kind of compromised position that has that has strong support and then force the Democrats, force the left to argue for the 40 weeks. You, you yeah. set a, a different frame. And I think that, look, I, I think that most people would find a 15-week ban, which is in line with what most European countries do, a, a pretty reasonable uh, a position, a pretty reasonable compromise.
1: I, I would agree with that. I, I I hope we can get to some kind of compromise. That That word seems so far away from anything that we're doing right now in this country. It's really... Uh, it's depressing but I'm encouraged when I talk to people like you and read people like you and I can't recommend this book enough America's Cultural Revolution how the radical left conquered everything by Christopher F. Rufo, who lets me call him Chris and I appreciate that and I hope to see you again on Gutfeld soon that's uh, where we first met in person but I've been an admirer of your work for a long time so all the best to you thank you so much for your time and I hope we can do it again
2: of course thank you